You are listening to New Life The Fort. We believe your vision will be expanded and your heart enlarged. If you are blessed by this message, write to info at newlifethefort.com. You know, last week, Pastor Alvin uh, talked about he is faithful. And I believe that that's a good foundation to stand on as we go into this particular topic. Because really, we can't do this if we don't know that God is faithful. You know, just before I be actually really go into my, into my notes, you know, when I was standing back there as we were worshiping, and I was just looking out at the congregation, I just, I just realized, really, the depth of God's love for each and every one of you. How deeply he loves you. He wants you to so experience that love that he has for you so personally today. I want you to come to a point in this service I'm just going to believe this, that because he loves you so much, you're going to find yourself squirming in your seat. You just, you're just being so overwhelmed by his love for you, you won't be able to sit still. And you know what? At, at some point, you just want to jump up and you want to run around and you just want to praise God. I give you full permission to do so. That might trigger something for other people. It may just end up being a worship service completely. And there, will be another, there may not be any music. It's just us speaking and shouting and praising and crying and laughing. Just being loved on by God. Just being loved on by God. But he so wants you to know how loved you are. I know that you hear that. For those of you that have been coming, maybe the, the for, for those of you that are first-timers here, just know that God loves you. Never get tired of hearing how much he loves you. Never get tired of, of saying, Lord, I want to experience that love today. Even if you've heard some of the words that we're going to speak, never get tired of hearing it again. Because every time we hear something, what I believe is this, that God opens it up even more so that we can understand it even more. There are layers to the word of God. There are layers and levels in his love for you. It can only get higher and it can only get better. And it, for us, it, we can only get deeper. We find ourselves more deeply in love with him as we understand how deeply in love he is with us. He is in love with you. And he will never fall out of love for you. Because his feelings for you never change. They are constant and they are consistent throughout all time and forever. He just loves you. I just believe that that was for maybe a couple of people here, very specifically. In fact, it just feels like there were three men and four women who really needed to hear that today. God heard you before you even walked into this room, and your question was simple. How do I know that you really love me? He's proven, he's proven himself the, you know, in the weeks, in the days, even in the years. But today you still ask that question. How do I know that you love me? And what I'm saying to you is confirming the answer to your heart. Because only God could have heard that. Because it was something you did not speak out loud. It was just something that you thought in your head. And it was the cry of your heart. How do I know that you love me? He loves you. He loves you so much 
that he gave you his son. Oh, but I know that. I want to know more. You need to know that that is the foundation for why he loves you. Because he loves you, he was willing to give his very best for you. Did you deserve it? None of us did. But he gave him anyway to prove to you that he loves you. And if he is willing to give you his son, if he's willing to give you heaven's best, then everything on the earth that is temporary, he can and is willing to give to you. But he doesn't want those things to have you. He wants your heart to be so founded and so strong in his love for you that no matter what comes, you're immovable from that position. There's a scripture that that says that in my prosperity, I will not be moved. See, sometimes we can forget God when all the good things come. But in the good and the bad, with whatever's happening with you, God is still present. He's right there. When the good things come, our eyes stay focused on him. Because those good things in the natural, they'll go. They'll get used. You may run out of it, but you will never run out of the supply when you have the supplier. You never will run out of the supply if you have the supplier. And the supplier is always ready to meet any demand. Any demand. So for those particular people, and if you receive that for yourself, know that you are loved by God. It is more than enough for your today. Because his love has everything that you need. Everything that you need. He loves you so much, he wants to heal you. He wants to heal your body. He wants to heal your soul. Because a lot of times we just think when we come into a place and we're like, yes, we need healing. It's the physical body. But sometimes there's a brokenness in our soul. Our emotions. We're wounded. And we come into a place and God goes, come, let me heal you. And he heals what people cannot see. He heals your very heart. He goes into the depths to heal you so that you are strong. Because sometimes the symptoms in your body are just a product or a result of what's going on in your soul. The things that you're thinking about constantly, the worries and the fears that are manifesting. God wants you to be sure. He wants you to be certain that he loves you, not because you've been so good. Not because you didn't mess up today. But simply, he loves you. Because he loves you. Amen? Amen. Pastor Alvin, do you have anything? Katie? Well, people are like, oh, this is really heavy. You know what? We can just stay there. That could be it, simply. And it was still good. It was good for me. It's like, Lord, I'm, I'm, you know, sometimes we take for granted that we're loved by you. 
But you know what? Even if we take, it, take him for granted, he still loves us anyway. He's constantly loving us to a point where we can change our mind and believe him for greater. That's just the way he is. That's just the way he is. It's so funny. I'm wearing a shirt that says, free, feel free. I feel free. So be free today. I didn't wear this on purpose for that reason. But a feeling of lightness and calm is just a beginning to rest upon your heart. For most of you, it's as if God is just enveloping you, surrounding you with a warm blanket, and just bringing a comfort to you, a security to you, a stability to you. That's just what's happening. We're not in a rush. This service is all about him. It's all about what he wants to get to you. And so just be free today. Be, be free to worship him. Be free to live. Be free to laugh. Be free to cry. Be free. Be free just to receive from him. When you're bound, you can't receive. It's very hard. And you don't feel you're worthy enough. Well, really, in reality, in terms of just being on the earth, we weren't worthy of anything. But his love gave us value. And his love made us worthy. He was the one that changed the way we begin to see one another. We don't regard each other anymore in the flesh. We don't regard each other with past hurts and offenses. We don't regard our, each other that way. We now regard each other as the men and women that God loves. The beloved of God. The precious ones. The most valuable ones. I mean, you know, when the angels look down, they're amazed. They're like, God, why do you love them so much? I mean, who is man that you are mindful of him? Who are they that you would just, that you would be willing to give your son for them? Who are they? And God goes, they're my sons and my daughters. And I love them with a love that is unfailing. We heard about that last week. It is his compassions that are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Because great is his faithfulness towards us. Great is his faithfulness towards us. Even when we don't believe, he is still faithful. Because he cannot deny who he is. And his compassions are there, whether we receive them or not. They are present every morning, and they are new. There are new graces. There is new favor for today. Did we ask for it? No, but I'm pretty sure we needed it. I'm pretty sure most of us were wanting it, because I don't know what your yesterday was like, but you're like, Lord, tomorrow has got to be better. Today is better. There are new things for us to walk into. 
It's time to leave the past behind. It's time to to stop allowing what happened yesterday to dictate to you what's going to happen today. Now, if it was good and it was heading, it, pointing you in the right direction, awesome. Continue to move there. But if it was bad and you were getting ready to give up, then leave it. And just say, Lord, I'm going to follow you anyway. I'm going to follow you anyway. Even if it doesn't make sense to me, I'm going to follow you anyway. So be free today, church. Be free today, brothers and sisters. Be free. That's why he set you free, so that you can be, so that you can live free the way he always wanted you to. And as you live free, then you begin to live in his dominion and his authority. You live that way. You realize that as a son of God, as a daughter of God, you are just as he is upon the earth. And you are part of his body. You are his representation, his representative, so that when people see you, they see him. See, the great thing about us, all of us, is that we're not perfect. And so when we go into the world and are like, well, you're perfect, hey, I mess up too. They don't see perfect people. They see our imperfection covered by his perfection. That's what they see. That's what they begin to know for themselves. So be free today. Be free in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. (sighs) Thank you, Jesus. Well, what we wanted to talk to you today about was this. And it's so exciting. It's going to make you jump out of your chair. We want to talk to you about counting the cost. Paying the price. Woohoo! You know what? I believe this. You're actually going to get excited to pay the price afterwards. Because right now you're just like, pay the price, count the cost. What? I thought Jesus did it all. Well, you'll see in a minute what we mean by that. So let's go into the word, into Luke. Luke 14, 28 to 30. It says, for which of you intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. In another scripture, it says, people will be laughing at you because you weren't able to finish. See, we don't start something without thinking about what it's going to cost us to step into it, or to do it. A lot of people aren't willing to pay the price. When Pastor Alvin was uh, speaking yesterday at the Saturday service, I actually thought about it, and I go, this is true. A lot of people are just content to stay at the shoreline, at a beach. They're just content to just play in the shallow water. But you hear a voice that's calling you, come deeper. Come on in. Come deeper. And you're just there. Oh, I'm just playing here. I'm fine. Sometimes we just sit there. You know, the interesting thing about shallow relationships is it's sandy. It's abrasive. Because, and the reason I say that is this. Because if you sit at the, the most shallow parts of the water on a beach, 
there's always a lot of sand. And as the waves come, you get sand everywhere. Everywhere. Even in the, in the crevices that you didn't think sand could get into. And it's irritating. It's irritating. I love the beach, but I don't like sand. Simply because when you remove your bathing suit, there's sand everywhere. And even if you're trying to scrub, it still sticks to your body. And you're like, why won't it come off? But as you go deeper to get rid of the abrasiveness, to get rid of all the the sand in your clothes, you have to go deeper to shake all that stuff off you. Why are you going to wait to get out to get under a shower when you can just step in a little deeper? What does it cost you? Simply you taking a step forward. It's not complicated. It's actually not all that hard. It's just literally making a choice to step out a little deeper. Because once you step out a little deeper, then it gets easier to take the next step a little deeper. And God is calling us deeper and deeper and deeper with him. He wants us to come to a point where we're not relying anymore on our strength to step out. But now he is taking us where we need to go. Because now we've just said, okay, Lord, I'm going to trust you, and we rest. And he now takes us to where we need to go. But what did it cost us? A simple decision to step a little deeper, to go a little further with him, to heed that call. See, when you receive Jesus... We're so excited and we're like, yes, all the things I can get. But in the process, he's causing you to mature. Because children are all about mine, mine, mine. I want, I want, I want. For me, they're very selfish. But God was never selfish. And he gives to open up our heart so that we can receive and be enlarged. Because the bigger our heart is, the less selfish we'll become. See, shallow things are selfish because it's all about you. In relationship, do you want a shallow relationship? Do you want someone to be with you because you're so pretty or you're so handsome? That's it. That's all the reason why they're with you. Or you're sexy. Or you're both. Those are shallow things. Even in a relationship, you want to go deeper. You want to communicate. You want to, you want to talk. You want to share dreams. You just want to be like, somebody's about to share the dream one side, and they go, oh, no, I don't want to hear about it. That's just for you. Don't tell me about it. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to have anything to do about it. And you're just kind of like, what happens when somebody does that? You're like, doesn't what I want matter or my, dream, my dreams matter? God doesn't want us to be sh- shallow in things. He wants us to go deep with him. And there is a cost to it. But it's something that we need to be willing to pay. 
But we'll see that it's not going to be all that hard because he's given us the means to pay. He's given us the means to pay. Counting the cost simply means this. You determine for yourself what is of worth to you. Counting the cost is simply this. Determining something's worth to you. Because if it's worth something to you, you are willing to pay the cost. You are willing to pay the price. You're willing because you've determined for yourself that it's worth it for you. It's worth it. God was willing to pay the price. He counted the cost. How do I know that? Because the the Bible says that Jesus was a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before anything happened, he already knew what the cost would be. And he was willing to pay it. He was willing. And he did. He didn't just stop at willing. He did. He stepped out to do it. So he determined your worth, that you were worth it for him. In Luke 14, 25 to 34, let's do to 27 first. It says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned and said to them, if you want to be my disciples, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Wow, this is heavy. You can't be my disciple, Jesus is saying, if you don't hate everyone else. Now, for us, hate is a really strong word. But that word actually means this, to love less. Didn't we read? You must, by comparison. You are now comparing. What are you comparing? Your love for your father, your mother, your husband, your children, the things as compared to your love for God. Or Jesus was saying your love for me. He was simply saying, you need to love all those things less so that you can love me more. Now, this is the amazing thing. Because he was speaking to the disciples. And Peter was one of those disciples. And it talks about how you have to hate your wife. You know, later on, you actually read, Paul writes that Cephas, this is Peter, actually was ministering with his wife. So they were ministering together. But I thought he said you had to hate your wife. No. Jesus just put, uh, Peter just put Jesus in his proper place. He put him first place in his life. You see, when you are able to, to receive love from Jesus and he becomes the first in your life, then it is easy to give love on all other levels. Because you're not relying on your love to do it. You are relying on his love to do it. In you and then through you. So we need to love less all those things. Then it says you have to carry your cross and follow me. 
carry the cross. I thought Jesus already went to the cross. Yes, he did. But what's our cross? Our cross is simply a lot of times to deny ourselves. And what does that mean? The, it, it means that we sometimes have to deny the way we feel that we're not going to give in to it. How many of you have ever been angry enough to want to hurt someone? Honestly, you already begin to imagine it in your head. You haven't stepped out to do it, but in your head, you've smacked them, picked them up and done Hulk smash. But it's all in your head. How many are honest enough to say that they've had those thoughts? I'm so glad we have so many honest people in the house. Can you imagine if you did it? People are like, oh my gosh. But you see, a lot of times you have to pull your emotions in and not allow it to control you. Because we are not our emotions. And our emotions can lie. We have to rein them in and put them under the submission of Christ. We take every thought captive. We don't allow those thoughts that are against the knowledge of God to consume us that we step out and do things that we're going to regret. God doesn't want us to live in regret. He doesn't want us to. He wants us to live a full life. A life that we can enjoy. And in enjoying it, other people can enjoy it too. That's what he wants. But sometimes it costs us. Because we now have to carry that cross. It's heavy sometimes. You're like, oh, I so want to do it, but no, I won't. So you're carrying that cross. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And you know what happens? You nail those feelings onto it. You're not nailed on it. The feelings are. So you don't have to think about it. You just continue to move forward. God, I know that this is just a feeling. You know what? You love them, so you're going to help me love them too. I mean, I love Pastor Alvin, but he can irritate me sometimes. Sometimes. It's very rare. You know, and I have, those, I have those thoughts that go through my head. I asked him once, I said, don't you think that way? And he goes, no. And I'm like, really, never? He goes, no, never. And I'm like, it must be a girl thing. No, but some guys raise their hands, so it's not, just, it's not just the women. But I have to start looking at him I'm like, Lord, you know what? Maybe what's happening is those things that irritate me, Maybe there are things that need to be corrected and adjusted in my heart. Yes. Wow. Very loud amen there. But a lot of times, the things that irritate you, the things that those feelings come out, they're actually really things that you need to deal with on the inside. These are little adjustments that need to be made that no one else sees but you. Because no one else feels those emotions at that moment the way you do. And God is trying to teach you, do not allow those things to control you. Don't allow them to determine what you're going to do. Keep your eyes on me. Sometimes it's like, it really is like crucifying our flesh. In 1 Peter 4, 1-2. 
says this, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same mind. He didn't say you had to do what Christ did, but he said, arm yourself with the same mind, with the way he thought of things. You know, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was like, Lord, please take this away from me. But he goes, but Lord, your will be done. Jesus had feelings too. Jesus got angry. You saw him in the word upturn tables in, in, the, in the temple because he was so angry that the temple had become a marketplace for thieves when the place was supposed to be a house of prayer. Righteous indignation. There is a right use for your feelings. But it says, arm yourselves also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lusts of men, but for the will of God. When we deny ourselves or when we crucify our flesh, what we're simply saying is, I want your will more than I want mine. God, I want what you want more than what I want at this moment. Because I know what you want is far better than what I want. We have to be willing to let go of the good for the better. Be willing. It's good. But there's still something better for you. There's still something better for you. In Galatians 5.24, it says, And those who are Christ's, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who are Christ's. Every believer, you are Christ's. And if you are Christ's, then you have been able to crucify your flesh with all its passions and its desires. God knows how to be able to channel the passion that's on the inside of you when we submit it to him. When we submit it to him. The passion that's on the inside of you, he put in there. But he wants it channeled the right way. Because that passion is a fuel to get you into the direction that he has for you. To the end goal. To be passionate about him. But we need to be able to come to a place where we say, okay, I'm going to crucify this and I'm going to lay it at your feet. So that you are going to help me make it right. Turn it right to you. So even when it seems the most inconvenient to you. When it seems most inconvenient to you. You will find that crucifying your flesh. Will be, be, will be the best decision that you would ever made. Because when you look back you are like. Wow I am so glad I didn't do that. I'm so glad that I didn't allow my feelings to make me do that or to say that to someone. Instead, I spoke life. I spoke life. So it is the best decision when you decide, Lord, okay, I'm going to put down how I'm feeling. I'm just going to rest in you, and I'm going to watch you work to change the way I think, to transform the way I feel, 
and to cause me to be able to love somebody better, to love that person better the way he does. Now, in Mark 10, 17 to 22, New Living Translation, it says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Then Jesus goes, why do you call me good? Only God is truly good. Now, this young man addressed him with the way he believed him to be. He didn't say good master. He didn't say good Lord. He said good teacher. Just as someone who would teach him something. And Jesus now says, why do you call me good? Only God is good. So are you telling me by calling me good, you are putting me on equal standing with God? He didn't even let... He didn't even let the young man answer that question. And Jesus went on to say, But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and your mother. And the young man says, Teacher, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Wow, here's my resume. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. You know, the amazing thing about God's love for you is this. That when he, when he sees you and you think you've got it all together and he knows that you don't, he loves you anyway. And it's not a love that's like, it's flaky. No, it says genuine love. That he just, his heart went out to this young man. And then he goes on to say, there is still one thing you haven't done. One thing. Just one thing. Jesus is saying one thing. You've done everything else but one. I mean, hey, it's like getting a 99 on your test. Done everything. 99 seems pretty good. Don't be satisfied with a 99 when you can get 100. But the hundred will not be possible without Jesus. There's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. Now, I believe that Jesus was simply showing the man what was in his heart. That he had allowed the possessions to possess him. He was sad. Actually, that word sad doesn't do it justice. He was severely depressed. That's what it meant. He was severely depressed that Jesus had said, go and sell all your possessions and give it to the poor. Now, I believe if the man had been willing and said, you know what? Okay, if that's what you say, Jesus, then I'm going to do it. See, Jesus told him to come and follow me. 
you can look at the word and see how many people Jesus said, follow me to. And he always spoke that to the ones he wanted. He wanted, huh, that Jesus wanted to be his disciples. Jesus wanted this man to follow him, to be one of his disciples. But the man loved his possessions more. He wasn't willing to count the cost. You know, we've been t- we talked about faithfulness, we've been talking about generosity, we've been talking about giving. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus talks about a treasure in heaven. He was trying to get him to look into his heart. What, was, what, did, what had caught his affection? What was it that he loved most? And because the man went away sad, you got to see what the man loved most. He loved his possessions more. Imagine what walking with Jesus would have done for him. I believe it would have still brought tremendous increase into his life. Substantial financial increase into his life. But he never had the opportunity because the possessions possessed him. God doesn't mind you having possessions. In fact, he wants you to have them. But he doesn't want the possessions to have you. That you can never let go. No, mine, my precious. No. When you let go, there is now more room to receive more. To receive more. You know, my daughter Talia has very small hands and gets, likes to get all these little things that can actually hurt her. And so I'll sit there and go, Talia, give to mommy. Give to mommy. And she'll play and she'll p- try to put it in my hand, then she'll take it away and put it back in her hand. Sometimes we have to forcefully get what's in her hand because we know that that could hurt her. If she puts that in her mouth and she swallows it, she could choke. She could die. That's not something I'm willing to risk. But what happens when we take it from her and she cries and cries and cries because we got this small thing from her hand. We go, honey, here. And we give her something bigger that she can play with. The tears stop instantly. But that happens with us too. When we release into God's hands, we're crying and crying and crying. And God goes, here, and we go, oh. Because a lot of times we don't see what's ahead. But God has things that are so much more amazing than what we can hold in our hand. And he wants to get it to us. How does he do that? We need to release to him. We need to release to him. So Jesus goes on to say in verse 24 to 28, he goes, and when Jesus saw, saw that, what did he see? The man's countenance fall. He became very sorrowful and he said, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And those who heard it said, who then can be saved? Who were, who, where was their trust in? In their possessions. In what they had. That's why they, were, they kind of freaked out. Who, 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 can, who can be saved? If, if it takes, if it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle 
than for a rich man to give up what he has, then who's going to be saved? And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. And then Peter, oh, don't you just love Peter? Peter goes, see, we have left everything. We have left all and followed you. Peter's like, hey, you may have a hard time, but look at us. We left everything. What does Jesus say? Verse 29 to 30, he says, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or parent or brothers or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom who shall not receive many times more in this present time and in the age to come, the age to come eternal life. I love that. Jesus says, you may have left all those things to follow me, but assuredly, I guarantee it that you will be given many times more than what you've given. See, Jesus doesn't want you to stare at what you've left behind. He doesn't want you to focus on what's been left behind or what you've given. Look at what's in his hands. Look at what he has for you. Because we're like, oh, goodbye, 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 goodbye. Then when you look up, oh, hello, 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 hello. Stop looking at what, stop looking. Stop focusing on what you're releasing. Just look to what he has ready for you. Look at what you have to gain by just putting whatever you have, how big, how small it is into his hand. Many times over. Many times more in this present time. I love it. Jesus is not just saying, when you get to heaven, you'll have it. He goes, no, in this present time, right now. When you say something's present, it's right now. Right now. And then he says, and in the age to come, eternal life. I love it. He just doesn't want us to focus on what we're giving. He wants us to see what he's given. You know, we sing the song, I I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. That's, That's very true. Even I've decided to give to Jesus, I'm not turning back. I'm just gonna keep on going. Because I've decided. I've looked at what it was gonna cost me, and Jesus was far more worth it for me to give this up than for me to keep it. You see the the worthiness of Christ more than you see what you have in your hand. You know, and it's not hard. It's not hard to release when you see something of far more value. Far more value being freely given to you. Oh, but you said I had to give it up. He gave up his life first. He initiated the giving first. You're simply giving to him what he gave to you. So he can give you more of what he has. More of who he is. So don't get stuck. Don't get stuck with what you've been redeemed from. Oh, the past was so good. Your glory days aren't behind you. 
Your glory days are in front of you. Get excited about what you've been redeemed to. Don't get sad about, oh, Lord, it was so good then. Oh, no, it's far better. Our path as believers is like the shining sun that shines brighter unto a perfect day. At its peak. That's what our life is to be like. Don't be price-minded. Don't be price-minded, what, what it costs you. But be prize-minded, what you gained, what you'll gain. See, Paul was that way. Paul had everything going for him. And we'll see it in a little bit in, in Philippians. He had everything. In Philippians 3, 4, it says, Indeed, if, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. Here's Paul going, this was my resume. These are the things that the world values. They value your pedigree. They value your education. They value who you know. They value what you have. But what does Paul say? I once thought that these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Everything is worthless if you compare it to knowing Jesus Christ. To knowing Jesus Christ. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. Another version says, regarding it as poop. Dog poop, dog dung. Why? So that I could gain Christ. And become one with him. He saw the gain. He didn't see what he was losing. He saw what was in front of him. He saw what he was going to gain from it. See, if you have Christ, then you have everything. If you have Jesus and you get to know him and you continue to build this relationship with him and you go deeper with him. Then he begins to show you things that you never thought you would ever walk in. He shows you things that you, that you thought were impossible for you to do. Because of all of the things that you thought were of value. But I come from a poor family. So? I didn't finish college. So? Well, you don't know who my parents are. So? Well... I have all this money in the bank. So? 
everything of value in the world pales in comparison to gaining Christ. Then he says in verse 12, I don't mean to say that I I have already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfect perfection, that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. He's calling. He's calling. Look at Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. Those are the things that you need to be willing to give up. That's part of counting the cost. Because those things are weights, and it's hard to run. If something becomes so heavy, you can give up. But not us. Not the people here who believe. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this. How do we do this? How can we race? How can we keep our our focused? We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Looking to him, not looking at what's in our hand, but looking to him. The champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. Who was the joy? You and me. We were the joy that kept him going. When he was willing to give his life for us, counting the cost for him meant I was, he was going to die for us. Because it was a price we could not pay. But he willingly gave himself for us. For the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. No matter what Jesus faced, he kept his eyes on the prize. And what was the prize? Everyone who would believe in him. For us, he's our prize. He's our goal. And we just continue to keep our eyes on him. In the message paraphrase of Hebrews. It says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way. All these veterans cheering us on. It means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. 
No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again. Item by item. Don't skip over anything. See everything that he did. What it cost him every step of the way for you. That long litany of hostility he plowed through. And that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. It's easier for us to count the cost when we see the price that he paid. Because it is that price that he paid that gives us the grace and the ability to let go of what we have to gain all that he is. That's, that's it. When we release, some, the reason it's so hard is because it's something we have. Because we look and we feel like we don't have much. But with him, we gain everything. We gain everything. Because when he gives life, it's complete and it's whole in every way. So when you begin to have to count the cost and when you begin to see the price that you have to pay on a daily basis, go over the story again and again and again. See how much he loves you. Because he loved you so much, he wanted to get something to you. And if there's something that you have to give up right now, it's because he's trying to get something even greater to you. There is so much more to gain because it's never a loss. It will always be an investment in his kingdom. Amen? Did you receive something today? Well, let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, for each and every person here, I know that there are things that you're speaking to them and helping them to decide to say give up or let go of. I pray, Father God, that that sadness that they may feel in that release is replaced with such an exhilarating joy for what is going to be received, what they're going to gain, what you have prepared, these wonderful gifts and surprises that are coming their way. Cause their eyes to see it. Begin to manifest before them. Cause them to experience the fullness of all that you've prepared. That they're not going to feel any lack whatsoever. But they're going to see an unending supply. That you are giving them access to. Anytime, anyway. Through Christ. And so I thank you for, the, for this church, and I thank you for everyone here present. I thank you that this week, they're going to have opportunities to release things into your hands. But in their opportunities, you now have opportunities to bring what is in your hands to them. In Jesus' name. 
Now keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And I want to give people an opportunity who have never received Jesus. In the course of this preaching, you've already heard what it cost him and how much he loves you. And I believe that even right now, you just want to give him what you have. And what you have right now is the life that you're living. And for some, it doesn't feel like it's much of a life. Because you know there's got to be more. Brother, sister, there is more. There is much more. See, if you try to keep your life, the Bible says that you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, and you lose your life to Christ, then you gain all of eternity. You gain him. He's giving you himself. And he's giving you self freely. It's now an exchange. So if you happen to be here today, you could be attending, you've been attending, you've been hearing this. This could be your first time. And you happen to be here in the cinema on the fourth floor. The invitation is this. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to quickly raise your hand. That you want to receive Jesus into your life. That you understand that today, the price that he paid for you, and you're willing to receive who he is, to see your life become as he is. One, two, three. Thank you for your hands. Thank you for your hands. Thank you, Jesus. You see the people's hands raised. Thank you, Lord. I know that there are people on the fourth floor as well. You can put your hands down right now. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray together. Not just you and me, but everybody here, because they've done this too at one point in their life, that they've prayed this prayer. And this is you simply acknowledging, I release to you who I am to gain all that you are. So say this with me. Jesus, I thank you that you were willing to die for me. You paid the price that I could never pay with your blood. Today, I release my life into your hands and I receive your life into my heart. You have now made me one with you. We can never be separated. And you love me with an unfailing love. And you're going to see my life get better. And I'm going to experience you more daily. In your name I pray. Amen and amen and amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, follow us on social media or visit us at newlifethefort.com. Thank you.